podcast is just a waste of time I'm skipping through them, I'd rather listen and change my mind Wes and Nick always help me through my daily grind Your favorite guys, your favorite lines, change my mind I swear these other podcasts is just a waste of time I'm skipping through them, I'd rather listen and change my mind Wes and Nick always help me through my daily grind Your favorite guys, your favorite lines, change my mind Yeah and welcome back to another edition of the Change My Mind podcast. I won't change my mind because I don't have to because I'm an American. Yes, you are. And I'm Wesley Sykes. And through the other side of the ether is the Navarro to my Lieutenant Danvers is Mr. Nicholas J. Esquire, super cop, question mark for hire. <laughs> I will take the Navarro over Danvers in this conversation that was very generous of you thank you see i might be danvers over over navarro really i well you know they they both went through some interesting i know when we first convened when i finally like started watching a couple of the episodes they went through they both went through some changes they were both Mm -hmm. tough at first we'll get to it more later i'm getting ahead of myself but oh sure sure there's a lot to dive into i don't i don't blame you there is yes but they they, they both went through some changes i will give them that over the course of it Uh, i'll give danvers that at least i like navarro quite a bit more though Danvers, I like her because she is a tough cop who's who's just a real, you know, town bicycle underneath it all. You know, she just really gets around the whole town of Venice and so much so that she expands her Tinder profile to neighboring cities. Yeah, she uh, she definitely gets after it. There's no question about that. <laughs> I, I respect that. I respect that about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, if you haven't already guessed, we're reviewing... HBO's True Detective Night Country, starring Jodie Foster and Callie Reese. Uh, but before that, Nick, I think much has been made about the setting of the show. And we'll, we're going to be talking about it uh, as we get into the exit survey itself. But if you were to have a murder mystery, where would your ideal setting be? Ooh, that is that is awesome. Um, so actually, as a, as a family, uh, my, my wife's side of the family, we actually did like a family like murder mystery thing. I love that. Recently. That sounds like a great time. Yeah, for my nephew's birthday. And you know what? You'll, you'll appreciate this as much as anybody. I, uh, my team, we ended up being one guest off. I kind of got misdirected on, on the clue, unfortunately, just because of the way it was done. I just, we screwed up. But the way I got the uh, one of the answers of who done it, that like it was, it was the clue style. So it was the object the uh location and the person the way i got the person totally ass backwards didn't do it the right way at all i just figured it out like sheer well, you know, it's not like a long division problem you know you, you, you get the right answer you solve it then then you solve the case you know it doesn't that matter how true. you got there some would argue that true detective night country writers were the <laughs> ones who, who were you could argue that i wrote it um but but in the end i would to answer your question i would say somewhere like uh like Scotland or or Ireland, somewhere like that. Oh, that's really dark okay. and smoky, like a like a mansion type thing. I'd be shitting my pants, but I think that's a really cool setting. Like an overgrown mansion, you know? Yes. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I, sure. And I say that over somewhere Murky like Alaska. Weather. Yes, I say that over somewhere like Alaska because I wouldn't want to deal with that. Like that'd be I, like as much as I think it's a really cool setting. I also think like I would <laughs> fuck that. Like I like cold, but not that cold. Right, and the, and the 24 hours of night, or, or even 24 hours a day, that can be exhausting. That um, is a lot. You know, extremes on both sides there. I think, like, a prestigious university uh, would be really interesting. Maybe Ooh. in, like, you know, maybe not in, like, a huge metropolitan area that's kind of in, like, a small uh, college town type setting. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I think that way. could be, like, like think of, like, um, 
I don't know, like Amherst or Williams College or something like that. That's in those like small college towns in Western Mass, uh, where you have you know maybe a secret society fraternal element there. You know, you, you got a bunch of different ways that you can go with it. You know, you got corrupt uh, police or uh, university f- figureheads and their interest in sometimes being you know the most important person in the town and what they have to. Uh, uh protect against the the community i think there could be a lot of interesting aspects in there give me small town university i think that's a nice call yeah i think uh the, the real question is though are we going to solve any crimes because i actually have an intro question for you mm. as well today west what is the greatest mystery you've ever solved the greatest mystery i've ever solved that is a good question um geez to mind anything uh i got nothing coming to mind right now I'll tell you what, the one that I've, the greatest one that I've taken on and still have yet to figure out is what is in a spicy chicken patty at Westport High School uh, lunches. I still don't know what's in those things. <laughs> That's in a farm country or a farm town, right? That's a farming mm-hmm. community right there. So it could be a, a multitude of things. Yes, you'd hope it's all natural, but, but I highly, yeah, yeah, all, all local pesticides. Yeah. Uh, I love my high school, but seriously, those things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think school lunches are vastly overrated. I hated our school lunches, uh, although we had good pizza uh, on Fridays there. That was good. Hmm. Oh, yeah, we used to get Papa John's here and there, so that I was pretty pleased with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as greatest mystery I've ever solved, I'm still trying to figure out my wife married me, so that's probably number two. On oh, me. that's a great question. Yeah, sometimes I ask myself that too. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of guys probably ask themselves that. Uh, so, or, or, that, or maybe the other way around. Who knows? Um, what we're finding out is that you and I could star in tr- uh, True Detective season five. I think we'd figure out the case just as well as anybody. Yeah, I think we have a good uh, good resume uh, to put forth for it. No, I don't know. Good mystery. Um, Jeez, I'll, I'll have to come back to that. I'll think about that through the episode, and then maybe uh, maybe it'll pop up here. Okay. Um, but, you know, speaking of popping up and, and popping off, the comic book minute. I mean, we got we got a lot to talk about here. So if only I can find the sounder. There we go. <laughs> ah, a superb choice. Yeah, so from this week in comics, we got, uh, from Image, we got Spawn 350. So this is another massive issue of Spawn. I mean, every issue of Spawn that comes out is a record-breaking issue because each one of these um, is, obviously, Spawn is creator-owned by Todd McFarlane. It's the longest-running creator-owned series that there is. I did get a look at that. There's been this long, like, uh, asked question, who's going to sit on the throne of hell? That gets answered in this issue. And then also we get the final issue of Firepower, uh, issue 30. This is a uh, Robert Kirkman joint, so uh, The Walking Dead, Invincible, among other things. Mm -hmm. I have a chance to look at this one yet we don't get those review copies but uh, i've really been enjoying the series this is actually one that i saw was like ah, i don't think i'm going to give it a look then ended up picking the trade because i was seeing some buzz about it and i absolutely like cranked through this thing i've talked about it on tldr since so i'm very excited for this final issue from dc we got john constantine hellblazer Ooh. dead in america issue two we had the series writer's favorite Spurrier. yep a on the show a little while back and then nightwing issue 111 um we just found out recently that tom taylor who's been writing this series since issue 70 is going to be uh starting his final arc with the character with issue 114 so some big news there on tldr we'll be talking about that nightwing news some of these issues that i've talked about here and more we're just doing what's new this week which usually means something else is going to be coming out later in the week but again i don't tell you guys until i have that in hand and it is not there just yet but 
What is in hand is that Scott Snyder presents the cloakroom issue one mm-hmm. has been fully funded over on Kickstarter. Uh, I know hashtag dork talked about it the other day. Thank you uh, on uh, on their show and uh, to- told you guys a little bit about my story. If you didn't hear about it from me on Change My Mind or TLDR previously, but we are already fully funded. If you want to read Widowmaker and check out some of the other stories that are featured in Scott Snyder Presents the Cloakroom Issue 1, uh, along with Scott's forward that's going to be featured in that story, which I'm very excited about, you have to go and back the campaign on Kickstarter. I have been tweeting it out a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. I know Dork shared it as well. Scott's been retweeting it. So it's everywhere. If for some reason you can't find it and you want to check it out, two things that you can do. One, you can DM me on Twitter uh, at Fry underscore Guy One. Um, you can get me easily there. Also, you can go on Kickstarter and search Scott Snyder. You'll find it. It's Scott Snyder Presents The Cloakroom. Uh, for those wondering mm-hmm. about the story, I know Wes has gotten a look at the art. And before he, you weigh in on any capacity, Wes just wanted to share the long line, lo, sorry, log line with mm. the good people. A biker queen ascends to Empress as she finally removes the organization's long festering virus, her husband. Oh, oh, okay. We'll we'll get a little little bit of the artwork that we can share here. Ooh, uh, look, look at that. that. That's that's a, a real headshot. Uh, moving right up up top here. Look at you. Look at us. Look at that. This yes. is this is pretty cool. Nice smoking gun, and we see. Well, you can't take that for granted these days. Well, it looks to be a woman's hand. Yes, that is true. Yes, that, and this is art by Nayara Rodriguez, who. Uh, is, is in the class with me as well in Scott Snyder's class um, and an artist herself. And she does, I mean, an outstanding job. So forgive me if you've answered, if you answered this question already, but how did you link up with the artist? So through I, the I class or, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that was, it was through the class. Um, we, I was, I've been working on other stuff um, with her previously and just chatting and, and this, but this is the first thing that we are publishing together um okay. this is why you know obviously why i'm talking about it as much as i am um but yeah we we linked up i really liked her style and uh then this opportunity came up to go and write a story for this and uh, as i was doing that i was i talked to Nye and i was like hey listen you want to do this story with me i sent her um i think just the, the 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 general pitch i don't think i sent her the script no she saw the script previously too um and she was like yeah i'm i'm, I'm all in on this so uh yeah she's done an outstanding job yeah, this looks awesome. I really love this. And and I, I want to know how much input did you have on the artistic direction? Because this looks like this is pulling off some rogue vibes. And we know how much <laughs> you love uh, love rogue here. Yeah, I um, I wanted to have. So I so Nye, I honestly, Nye drew the character and did. And I was like, yes, this is it. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. have much in the way of notes back to her on the design. But I did want her to be like a more middle aged woman, like um like late 40s some you know maybe early 50s somewhere in that kind of range um which you kind of can see with like the lines on her face um other than that though i mean i gave her like the like like megan fox was partially a, a reference for her as okay. well like i wanted her to look a little, i could like, see that like, yeah 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 i could see that good. in there yeah so i was i was those were the two like major notes i would say that i gave her then like you know the bracelet thing that she has that kind of got added in later the, uh, the cigarette like what she did there um that was her decision like even with the pink smoke and how she did that, that i, I, I that think was, that's very cool i like that and, and i always think just smoking cigarettes in media is very badass yeah and she really uh she like she did enough that, that was such a nice touch that came like at the very end of things 
one of my favorite things about this whole process is when I told you about it before, what, you know, before it was announced was when you said that it uh, reminded you of like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, um, yeah, it that. does. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Good. Yeah. Sometimes I, I don't know if that's a compliment or like a disservice to an artist uh, by like saying it reminds you of something else. You, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I mean, in theory, you should, I mean, th- what, what it, it shouldn't, I mean, people, everybody's got their own opinions about stuff or whatever, but it's like, it's your perception. I mean, like it, and it's, it is also, how is that not a compliment? Grand Theft Auto is one of the most prolific video games ever. And it's and so iconic the the load yeah. screens there. I mean, yeah. specifically, I think of like Vice City and and GTA um, San Andreas and, and stuff like that. Like th- those, that was my era of, of video game playing. So like mm-hmm. that's what it immediately brought back to. So good. I'm glad. I'm glad she liked that. And for those who aren't uh, who are listening to us in audio form right now and not watching us on one of our streams, you can mm. find these this, these some these first two pages from. Widowmaker over on Twitter. Uh, I've tweeted out quite a few times at Fry underscore Guy. Um, and again, like if you if you want to take a look at some of those those first two pages, those are available to everybody. So if you DM me, I will happily send that along in case you, that uh, helps you in your decision making process to go and back the project and put the digital or physical copy in your hand. I love that. I I want the physical copy in my hand. That's what, that's why I'm an old school guy. I want to feel mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I will. Uh, I'll give everybody a little something that hasn't been announced yet. Um, oh. Something that's definitely been in the works behind the scenes. So this is a biker story, and we, Nye and I, designed um, a, a logo for the biker club. So again, if you're not watching on our on our stream, I'll have to send pictures. But we we are going to have stickers. Uh, I don't know exactly how they're going to be available on Kickstarter, but those have been, uh, as far as I know, those have been in the works. And I just got these these updated uh, versions of it. So I am very, very excited about these. I love that. I think th- the next step is getting patches to put on your uh, jean jacket or your, your yep. jean vest or whatever. You know, that's awesome. I will say that that has been brought up by one of the editors. I My whole thing was just like, like that sounds great. I just don't know how you guys are going to do it. Like stickers right. seems like such an <laughs> obvious thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. patches, I'm all about it. That's way better. No doubt. Like, just, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. So I'm very excited about it, and I'm I'm beyond pumped that uh, that this has already been backed after like being after it was live for like four days. It was a 30 day campaign. And yeah, that that's awesome, man. So kudos to you, and I, we can't wait to see uh, what comes next. So very very exciting. I feel like I'm a promo for Phase Four of the MCU right now. You won't believe I, what comes <laughs> next. I appreciate. It. Well, at least you've seen all the art pages. We're not sharing with everybody else, but you've seen it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it looks great. But when I see the words coming to, you know, I want to sure. see it all kind of come together like one big stew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, it's it's we're getting there and you will. Wes will get a chance to see it uh, when a little bit ahead of everybody else to weigh in. Oh, so. well, you know, it's perks, perks of running the podcast, you know, that aside from from the big money that we're making here. This is this is very. Yeah, this is very um, true. Are you ready to fully dissect uh, True Detective Night Country? Because I I can't wait. I'm full. I'm I'm fully hard right now. I, I'm as ready as I'm gonna be. I'll say that. All right, Tommy. Are you ready? Are you you ready to go? All right. Now let's go get them. All right. We're all on the same page here. Uh, True Detective Night Country: An Exit Survey. What's the synopsis of this movie or show, Nick? Set in a remote Alaskan town, two detectives investigate the disappearance of eight men from a research station. What do you think of that synopsis? I I think that's 
that's I mean that's enough. Like that's I think when when I see that it's like okay good you're not giving me a lot you don't need to sell me hard that's confidence. I also find it very interesting that they mentioned the setting in this. I'm not saying we don't get that in synopsis, but I wrote this synopsis. Really? Because <laughs> IMDb was just talking about the series as a whole. It's like oh. True Detective is an anthology series that follows detectives and murders. Okay. So I had to go to the Wikipedia page and to the synopsis there and try to edit that down. Well, they should hire you to write synopsi from now on. <laughs> I thought because... that I like oh synopsi. I like yes, that. Multiple, yeah. Why limit yeah. you to just one? That's great. Like seriously, mm-hmm. I okay, the, my one thing was like they bring up the Alaska stuff, like that kind of further like that how much you favorite. and I talk about it. But yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> the favorite part. That makes perfect sense why that's in there now. But yeah, the rest of it is it is perfect. Like you don't need to give me more than that. I would be well, it. yeah, it's a mystery, you know. Yep. Let let you be mysterized, mysterized. Mm-hmm. Okay, well maybe we got to work on. All that. right, let's move on. I was trying to synopsize that. Um, <laughs> this casting crew. This was directed by Issa Lopez, uh, starring Jodie Foster as Detective Liz Dan- uh, Danvers, Callie Reese as Trooper Evangeline Navarro, John Hawks as Hank Pryor. Who this was bugging me the whole movie, the whole show. I don't think this was the case. But he reminded me of the new guy. Ever see that movie? Or like the the really scrawny looking guy in Euro Trip who bangs the, the big woman? Hmm. Euro. Nope. Nope. I'll look it up though. But see I if you can not... pull it out while the cast because it looks like just him aged out a little bit more. He's he's been in a bunch of like teen drama or teen comedies. Uh, Christopher Eccleston as Ted Connolly, Fiona Shaw as Rose Agnew, Finn Bennett as Pete Pryor, uh, Anna Lamb as Kayla Malie. Uh, Aka Niviana as Julio Navarro, Klaus Tang as Otis Heiss, Nivy Peterson as Annie Kotuk, uh, Owen McDowell as Raymond Clark, Isabella Star LaBlancas as Leah, and Joe, uh, Joel D. Montegrad as Eddie Kwavik. Kavik. The guy you were thinking of is DJ Qualls. He's a D. Oh, oh. <laughs> that sounds like a DJ name. Yeah, um, yes. No, but, but yeah, it's DJ Qualls. Okay. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. that's 100% who it is. Do you, I can, do you see where, where my mind can go there? I absolutely can see that, yes. I think it is a bit of an insult to uh, John Hawks, but I don't think it's an inaccurate, an inaccurate statement. They they could be from the same family tree. Yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, he's also in – what I know him from is um, is uh, Deadwood. That's where he's – Oh, okay. He's, I've, um, I've seen him around. I just wasn't sure. Like sometimes you see these like – lanky kind of nerdy characters come in and they develop into these like really great character actors. Cause I, I thought, you know, he was a good, I didn't like the character, but I thought he did no. a good job in it. Yes. I thought, I thought the character was a, was a piece of shit, but he was, it was very well acted, very believable. Um, But yeah, it's like just looking at Deadwood, his role there, he's Timothy Oliphant's uh, like store partner and everything mm, like that in, mm-hmm. in Deadwood. Um, and he like very, like, there's that similarity of being like this, like, like he's got a level of like sheepishness to him. Um, but then like they're, the characters are, that's it. Like from there, they very much deviate. He is like much more respectable in Deadwood. And this he's like, that sheepishness turns into real viciousness. Um, yeah. And, and, and it seems kind of weird because like the, we're told that he's a jerk, right. But there's really only one instance of him that we see that kind of really jumps out of him being a jerk, you know? Yeah. And, that, I mean, and that's like when he hits his son. Yeah. I mean, the, there's, I mean, the, I, I feel like there's a few things like the way he's like power hungry for the job, the way he's like, he kind of, with the mining comfort. You don't really see that. You get that in a reveal and a conversation and that, that he mm. feels even like kind of remorseful about in a way, you know? 
Gotcha. That that's okay. That's a fair way to put it. Um, the other thing would my other the other one I would say would be when they go out on that search party and then he just starts bringing in like the whole. Power. Sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, I, but, I forgot about that. He's clear. Like either way, he's clearly like, and that's what in the first two episodes. So that's a while back from from when we watched it. But he's clearly like a loser. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I get from this character. Yeah. Exactly. But they they play up that sympathetic role, you know, with him getting catfished. Uh, yep. with with the Russian mail or bride. And then uh, they there seems to be like a little bit of a turn at that point because he's like kind of relating to his son. And then mm-hmm. it all builds to that moment in episode five there. But yes. uh, again, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're excited to talk about it. Yes. Now the critics reception, um, Rotten Tomatoes, is this for, is this the rating for season four? Is this correct? Or is it? I for... believe so. Yeah. Actually, I can double check it. You know what though? This, the, the, the second half makes sense. So uh, this got a 93, 63 split on Rotten Tomatoes with an average score of 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. At first it was like 93, like, kind of stunned by the critics giving it that but 93 62 it gone down it's gone down in the like hours uh gotcha. since i did this yeah so 60 62 though from the audience makes sense i mean obviously you're not giving 62 to the first season of this or the third season no questions asked right yeah absolutely um and then the 6.9 out of 10 on imdb okay so now yeah. it's time for our uh score and tweet length reviews nick do you want to lead us off here Sure. So uh, I gave this a 78 out of 100. I actually at one point had it at an 80, but Wes at made a last minute addition. And then I realized, nope, this is not uh, this does not belong in the B conversation. I give this a comfortable mm-hmm. C plus solid show. By no means a, a must watch, though. Um, True Detective Night Country. I keep wanting to call it Nightmare Country. Night Country. Yeah, it um, could be a nightmare. Yeah, it's uh, the show's worst enemy was uh, the info put out uh, about it relative to season one along with that damn spiral which is related to that still <laughs> oh yeah and, and the 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 on the nose callback in episode six uh that that they get there from uh grant right mm-hmm. <laughs> or raymond clark i should say not grant mm-hmm. um it, that was just uh, a groaning moment we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later um Gave this a 70 out of 100. Great setting, but True Detective Season 4 bites off more than it can chew. Loses focus of what the audience was introduced to. Seemed more interested in a character study, which kind of falls flat, in my opinion, than an actual detective story. Um, And none of that is supported by the fact that, uh, in my opinion, this was a very unlikable cast. That you can't see past um, their, uh, uh, you know, things that they fall short, their shortcomings to make them any sort of redeemable, to give them any sort of doubt uh, in this, you know? So that, that's kind of the, the long and short of it. Maybe a, a tweet thread review for that. Um, episode rundown. There's no titles to any of these episodes. It's just a six part series, part one through six. Uh, we get 7.4 on IMDb uh, for part one, 7.2 out of 10. Uh, part three is 6.7 out of 10. Part four is 6.5 out of 10. Uh, part five bounces back with a 7.6 out of 10. And then the finale, uh, falls back down, uh, to that six area, 6.4 out of 10, uh, Hmm. to close out the season. Okay. Yeah. I I feel like that kind of skews, uh, generally that, that wave, you know, I'm not sure if my highs were that high or my lows are are that low, but that's the general wave of how I felt with this series. I, I was lower on part two than than the the scoring here and then in you as well i i that was the real dip for me 
then three was better and then i thought four was better and then five mm-hmm. was like was good um yeah that's kind of where i landed yeah yeah i i hear that um should this exit survey questions here should this have been part of the true detective anthology series so can you i i'm like conflicted on this because part of me says yes part of me says no but i feel like you're more definitive well so it could have been a true detective season i i hated the callbacks and the connections to anything but this could just be a this could have been a mystery you know on its own this could have been night country and it, it could have worked but yet they shoehorned in the spiral. They shoehorned in time is a flat circle. They shoehorned in uh, Russ Cole's uh, uh, family connection possibilities uh, in there. None of that had to be uh, involved, nor did it really play a big role in it. So it's it's kind of frustrating. It feels like a bait and switch a couple times over because it's like, all right, this is True Detective. It's going to be connected to season one. It's in Alaska. But it's also like the whole aspect of being introduced to one murder and them seemingly um uh working for another murder that's connected but that we don't really know about yeah it yeah it's for me it's it's yeah like it, i i think you make good points there i i i my thing is don't you don't need the spiral stuff and the, and the connections to the first season mm-hmm. to be in this like as far as i understand you don't have to have it connected to that. Um, if you do, then you need to take things in a different direction than you ended up doing because it's basically, again, this is a spoiler-filled podcast. You you basically use it as like a red herring the whole time because it's like there, but like it doesn't really do shit. And you could have done that, mm-hmm. but then not have it be the spiral. You could have it be its own separate thing. I'm not saying I would have loved it, but it wouldn't have been as distracting for me do you feel similarly on that front? Yeah, yeah. It was it was distracting. It took away, um, you know, focus from other parts of the show because I kept thinking like, all right, well, w- w- what is this going to be explained? You know, they go to the, um, you know, Native American reservation or whatever where they go where they're looking for that guy in the generator and like it's all kind of like a, a creepy area and you see the spirals everywhere. And, and then like that group of guys are like, we know what that is. And then they find out later it's like, to warn people about weak spots on the ice. Like, okay, maybe that's a metaphor for weak spots to be able to connect, um, you know, into that spirit realm mm-hmm. where that, you know, maybe that's like where, where a greater connection can be felt. Like, I, I don't know, maybe that's what it is, but there, they, it, it takes on a, too much in here. Like I said, in the tweet yeah. length review, and then it's like for six episodes, maybe that's, you know, uh, poor on, on HBO's fault for only giving this six episodes. Hmm. If this had seven, eight, maybe you have more time to flesh out, you know, what I thought were one dimensional side characters that just took away from the story. And maybe you can focus more on the supernatural or focus on that spiral or that connection to season one, uh, that they wanted to do allude to. Yeah. You, you might be right about that, but I I also think like we're, we're both right. Like they, they just, they needed to make the decisions. Like, like they, they kind of tried to like just float around in too many different directions Yeah, and then they don't like, and then the direction they finish off in while I like it, I also like, you really did it. Like it, it, it makes sense in the scheme of this town, but it doesn't make sense. Like in terms of the story that was being told, like that mm-hmm. was an odd decision. Um, and I'm not, and again, you could have, like, you could have, there's a, I think you, you could have told the better story by focusing on that a little bit more in some capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely here. Uh, do you have a favorite episode? 
favorite episode. Yeah, episode five was um was awesome. I mean, like just because mm-hmm. you know the way things take a turn, um, the way like Hank kind of just like flips a switch. It's just you know your dad's not as dumb as he as you think he is, um, right. or as he, as he pretends to be. I think is what Jody. Fox yeah, said. yeah, yeah. So it was it was that was great. It was um it was brutal brutal ending, but it was um it's very well done. Yeah, I I love it. I think uh, episode five. I thought I had the most um you know kind of glued to the edge of my seat sort of thing type moments there, and, and also episode one. I thought the setup was really good about setting up with the Salal um, scientists, the, the the frozen mansicle um, that they had there. I thought that was a really, you know, interesting thing. And you get all these nuggets, right? And you get the tongue there. Um, so I thought the setup uh, and the introduction to everything was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, episode five is interesting because it builds up, like I said, that, that, that tension and that rising action. But I think part of that gets ruined with episode six because I keep thinking that this is like picking up immediately after. And there's not a lot of resolution to the events of, you know, the ending of episode five. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there's no, like, justice or reaper. We, we don't see Connolly again. We don't see McKittrick again. Mm. You know, and it's like th- mm. that all that stuff just kind of goes out the window. And they That's flash true. forward to, uh, you know, like an internal affairs interrogation type scene uh, mm-hmm. at the end there. Um, so it, it kind of mutes it, but I think rising up to that Mexican standoff with Danvers, Hank and, and Pryor, um, you know, at, at Danvers house, I thought that was a great moment. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I think the loose ends bother me a little bit less because just some, th- some of the things are going to be messy and some of the things are going to be deemed unimportant, but, um, but I do see, I do see your point though. Yeah. And, and but they're like, they don't even t- like talk to Pete again. You know, Pete's just kind of left off. Like that's like the end. Like it, it's weird. You don't really get that's like true. much closure to him. Like Pete deserved a little more, maybe a little more closure. That's and, that, and that, I'm that, not even cool. sure that they have to try to cover up this murder. They're three cops. Like their their word is pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but at the same, you, you, yes, but she's also under fire in that moment. Like she, they they're very much questioning. Right. Her. They know yeah, and they know about and, the uh, the Wheeler case and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right? I don't yeah. think I don't think they could have just they, they needed to do what they did there. That that made perfect sense to me. It it did and it did. There were for for two cops who were already under heat for covering up a murder. Their first inclination is like we got to cover this up. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess when you put it that way, yeah. And, and it's the whole series it's haunting them. You know, you can tell they're wearing uh, the Wheeler murder on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. they, that was no. That was one that was like it became. Well, I guess the, the mystery the whole time was just like who did it, like who was one that actually pulled the trigger. Yeah, I thought that was dragged out too long. It was a little bit. Yeah, I was like, you, I mean, obviously, you know what happens. It's just a matter of who did it, like who's the right. one that pulled the trigger, but. And it yeah. is interesting because then it's like if it if it was Danvers who did it, then she's covering this case up for you know out of a selfish act. But if it's Navarro who does it, she's going along to you know help her friend out. You know, yeah, yeah. So from like a, a captain, lieutenant, from a leadership perspective, mm-hmm. um, you know that that kind of changes things a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, who was, in your opinion, the true detective of the series? This is a, this. I didn't know how to answer this question because, like, this is. I thought this was kind of funny more than anything. Like, so, so you have a choice though here. Yeah, no, I I think it's Pete Pryor. He does all the legwork. Danvers and Navarro don't do a whole lot of detecting. Huh? They uh, spend see, they spend so much time dealing with 
their familial, you know, family shit and like pers- interpersonal relationships that I feel like it's always Pete Pryor who is pulling the tax records, who makes the connection to the Tuttle, um, you know, uh, church group. You know, he's the one who gets the uh, veterinarian friend to say that this, they died before freezing. Mm-hmm. That's he, this is uh, he figures out right the now. Wheeler case. Yeah, that, that that's why I thought you were saying that. And of course, like that happens in episode six where we get the whole reveal. And here mm-hmm. I'm thinking like that, that like that's why Wes is saying it because it's like he's like as much as the other case was solved, like he's the one like he he, he cracked that case kind of all his own behind the scenes and like whatever. I thought it was like a, you were kind of kidding, but it's like when you break all that down, he like that, he's you're doing not wrong. all the legwork. He's kind yeah. of doing all the legwork here. And yeah, the other Amber one just comes in with her whole, whole like you know wrong question, wrong question. And, I'm wrong not, qu- and I get how that can be helpful, but at the same time, like he is doing all the work. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And even then, he's answering the questions, right? Like she yes. might be like setting it up, and and it's presented that she already knows the answers. But you know, maybe that's just a sign of a good bullshit artist, which we know she is. She can lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but th- this th- this is like really interesting because this when you talked about the character study stuff. I, I, in how they went that direction versus it being like this, this is a great example of that being the case because I don't, I don't doubt, like, I, I understand what you're saying about like, maybe she's a good bullshit but I don't doubt that Danvers is like a good detective. I, I genuinely don't. But at the same time, you folk, you didn't have her focus on all these things as much. There were moments where she's trying to put pieces together. Don't get me wrong, mm, but sure. like some of these bigger nuggets, it's prior that's doing, and she's going to have him like do it. Yeah, yeah, he's doing all the legwork, and then uh, you know she's gets gets to present everything, you know, and even even in uh, episode six where they're finally interrogating Raymond Clark, Navar like they like he is the linchpin of this whole case of, of both cases, right? The the Annie Kotak murder and the Salal scientist, right? So mm-hmm. the you have so many questions to ask him, and the first thing you say before almost beating him to a bloody pulp and death uh, is. Did you love her? And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, well, like, I get Navarro asking that question. Navarro, this was so personal for her. Like, that's why I'm picking on what's uh, what's her face uh, of Danvers. But Navarro is a little different for me here. Yeah, but with, I mean, she almost kills the uh, the lead witness. Yep, 100. I mean, we've seen and then that and then you know they it, they redeem it with how you know they they lay out uh, episode six. But when he turns into the the human uh, free you know icicle there. With you know, and just letting him to go while Danvers takes a nap, you know, I, that that was infuriating to me. But she ends up getting him to, um, you know, make make some sort of a um, which is a video, not a hostage video, but you know, explaining everything, all of his wrongdoing. There, confession, confession. Thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but so that was kind of frustrating. But then I was like, okay, I can't be mad at that entirely, even though I'm not a, you know crazy about how that played out. But they should be questioning him nonstop. They have him alone in the Salal base during the middle of a storm. And they're like eating and like making coffee, you know, like let's, let's, let's get to it here. We need to see what's going on here. We've been following along for six, seven hours at this point. Like let's get Mm. some resolution on camera. See, this is, now this is where we, we, we diverge a little bit. I actually, like the way they like quote unquote tortured him with the, mm-hmm. the, the I thought that was interesting. That was an interesting way, but it just feels like that wouldn't be my first course of action. No, I mean that wouldn't be my that's why I loved it. Cause it was like that's dark. 
that's also very effective because like what do you like punching him in the face isn't going to do anything like you know yeah. saying threatening him isn't going to do anything like this guy's like seems a little out there in this moment he's desperate he's dealing with something he just doesn't know what to do but then you just like this he apparently loves her all right then you're gonna have to relive this moment if like you were at all involved or you're gonna have to hear like the woman you supposedly love go through this terrible thing that they, you didn't know even, she went they didn't even really try to they, they asked one question he's like i'm not talking and then they're like they didn't try anything else i don't know i thought that was just kind of uh it felt a little out of place. Some of some of Navarro's machismo was was uh, eye rolling throughout this season. Hmm. Like in episode five, after Julia dies, then she just goes and starts a fight, and just to get like the shit kicked out of her so she can feel something. I, was that the end of episode two? That was. I thought of... it was episode five. No, four. No, no. It, it was after her sister died. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, but it was with that same guy. Yep. Uh, who was in episode one and two? There, who was like the abusive was, uh, boyfriend? I think, three. I think it was three. That that timeline wise, that feels like feels right. Yeah. What, whatever the case is there, but still, it, it's a big eye roll moment. The the forest cream pie with her taking on like the masculine roles in the relationship with uh, Kavik. You know, mm-hmm. she's spooning him at the end of it. You know, some of it's just kind of like an eye roll there. Oh, that doesn't. Although yeah. she is built like a like a defensive end. She's got some very broad sh- shoulders there. That's the way some relationships are. <laughs> I, I guess it's just. Yeah. He seems like a big fellow himself. Yeah, he's but he's like a, a teddy big, bear. big teddy bear. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a big teddy bear. He's a big teddy bear. He's a nice guy. He's very thoughtful. Uh, one of my, uh, he he kind of like was not as involved as the show like you know the later episodes but right early on i really liked him a lot he was probably i thought he character. was interesting i thought they i thought he did offer some balance uh to yes. navarro there yeah for sure the yeah. other one this is kind of a joke for uh the true detective of the series it, it's b and uh the other lady the three-fingered uh cleaning lady there <laughs> who found this the star-shaped drill uh and the hidden floor hatch when they're, while they're cleaning like this, it's so weird to me that they didn't just spend like they were so focused on the Annie Kotak murder that they neglected the actual crime scene, at least mm. from what we're shown, right? Uh, and if they actually just scoured over that place, like they would have, you, you think they would have found that? Yeah, there's, 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 I mean, there's no question. There's like these holes that again, like. We when we for detective work, they're, they're when, going in the wrong direction. Yeah, wrong question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was just there were certain things that like from and this is part of I, I've been like holding this in the back of my head because as you've broken some stuff down, I also want to like I, I already said like I want to go back and watch season one um, because mm-hmm. again like th- there's just something um, that like, that season was such an amazing season of television, but it's been so long. I kind of want to see it again because. As I've said, the um, the spiral stuff where it's like frustrating. I do think it would have been less frustrating if we um, we we didn't um, what was it? if like if they didn't tie it to season one. I think if like mm-hmm. you just go and make that like make it a diamond, like and it's just like maybe we just yeah. don't make it don't a care. swirl. I'm curious how I feel going back and watching that, and then on top of that, where we're talking about some of this the d- detective stuff, I am curious about if that like has anything if they do any of that as well there's mm-hmm. that feeling because i think that's another thing that I, I never thought of until this moment like in that's in that season we get a lot of matthew mcconaughey and, and some woody harrelson talking 
in the present, and then we get the flashbacks. You look at season three, because again, I've skipped season two. You look at season three, we get um, Mahershali, and, and who's the, um, oh, why? Uh, what's his name? Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff, thank you. Mm-hmm. We get them talking as old dudes, and then we flash back to the, you know, the past. We like we have flashbacks to this one case mm-hmm. for for um, for Navarro and Danvers, but it's done much more like much less like what I've seen at least in the other two True uh, Detective seasons I've seen. Well, and that's a good point. The, the you know when you're talking about seasons one and three specifically, they span years, decades even. Uh, yeah. and so maybe the the real case is that the you know uh, Navarro Navarro and, and Danvers are the best True Detectives. They solve this in like a span of a week. Mm. <laughs> so, how did we back into that <laughs> so maybe you know maybe maybe all of this is moot here but um, that could be part of why like what what's like the issue with the, the show too is just like the deviation from that i think some of the things that can be told get told and then some of the things and then the things that need to be shown we mm-hmm. have flashbacks for yeah I, now I, I got i gotta go back and watch them i agree yeah this is gonna make me go back here as well um so we, we talked about some of these things already, but were you satisfied with how the series tied up loose ends or, or just left them hanging? This is, this is the most important question in terms of my grading. Like what, or why, 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 like it's not at least a, a B minus I should mm-hmm. say, because I, I, the ending again, like in this town, they did a good job of building a town like that. That all felt very real to me. Actually, The setting was the best part of this. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they did. A, so because of that, and because of the little bit we get at the very beginning, the ending like makes sense. But at the same time, in the grand scheme of the story that's told and in the breadcrumbs that are laid, it's like you get, you, I understand misdirection, but I mean, this is just like, this it's so far from it. So no, I don't think they do tie the stuff together very well. I mean, it, that's the, what the, probably the second biggest problem outside of the spiral. Yeah, I, I think this was the biggest issue for me. Um, and and sure. some places it felt too tight, like specifically with the cleaning service super crew saving the day and, and then getting that like explained to you perfectly. But we still don't know what happened with, you know, uh, Holden and, and uh, Danvers' husband or partner, whoever it was. You know, we assume it's a car accident, but was she involved? Was she drunk driving? We, we've known she's done that before uh, in this mm. season, you know, or what you know was she there was she uh away you know uh, on the job somewhere else did she get the call while she was on the job and had to come on the scene and kind of wear two hats at once i think all that's kind of interesting um but again you know where where that was like a perfect wrap up for the main salal murder with the um all, all the cleaning ladies you know other places just just get left undone like there's no real closure between Pete's uh, story arc in connection with, with Navarro and Danvers that that just kind of gets left out. You know, I mentioned the stuff with Connolly and McKittrick. Um, mm. You know, that's not really there. You know, like I, I don't know. It's a it's a small town, and there's been a dozen murders in a week. <laughs> you know, mm. it's like and and there's civil unrest. Uh, you know, between the locals and and the miner uh, and, and the coal mine or whatever that is. Um, so I don't know. So it, it feels like, again, this is what I mean when they bit off more, they can chew. Everyone keeps saying she's awake, she's awake, she's awake. But it's ultimately everybody, you know, a group of people who killed mm-hmm. uh, all the Salal scientists. So like, th- there's some allusion to the supernatural. And if, if you watch 
you know, breakdown videos or YouTube videos kind of discussing it. They'll, they'll bring up this character called, I think it's Edna or Sedna, which is like an ancient Native American uh, goddess of the afterlife, essentially. So when you get that phrase from Rose Agnew, who says like some people uh, come back from the dead to uh, just to tell you something, just to be with you or to ignore you or to take them with you, you know, and that's that's kind of Sedna. And that was kind of like the underlying supernatural element of it all, but it never really gets pointed out, but it plays too much of a role for it to be ignored mm -hmm. and not acknowledged mm -hmm. at the same time. So it's like kind of in this like weird spot to me. Yeah, it is. It, the more, the more you say it, the more I'm like, you, like re if more, the more you break that down, the more I feel like, you know what, again, like this real, this, this some of the supernatural stuff, like it doesn't need to be fully removed. There's nothing wrong with like them believing in this thing that's that's not there that does not exist that, that's like or that this girl has been resurrected like any of these things and the way that that what's the guy's name at the end who um who was um I'm, Clark I'm Clark yes yep. like the the way Clark is like talking about like Annie and everything and the way he experiences that whole last bit of shit where he like it, it totally can work like you like you could still like I'm I'm because I'm running that through my head again. That can totally work and still have it be believed in supernatural, but there's just there's just so much. Again, there's the tie back to the first season, and then there's this like the, the where it ends up. Yeah, I just hmm. yeah. There's there's a lot there's a lot of loose ends there. So I th I think that's again where where the biggest miss is for me. And, and like we said, I think this was a series that was it's filled with red herrings, too, way too many red herrings for uh, its own good. Where I'm just surprised, where I'm confused about is just like, how, I know it's so, it's easier like to be like us where we're like, we're removed from it. And if you're like right in it, you know, you're the, you're seeing it and you're seeing all the moving pieces as they are, but you keep, maybe you can't see the flaws there. But I mean, that's also why you have like multiple writers and that's why you have like editors and, and yeah. whatnot. I'm just like kind of confused because again, this is, we've, this isn't the first time we've seen this where it's like, this could be like good. Like it's solid. Again, I find it solid. Like this could be good. Mm -hmm. but they just missed on some things. That's just kind of surprising. Did you have a most rewatchable scene or moment? Um, yeah. I mean, the, the standoff in episode five is mm -hmm. definitely mm -hmm. like the, the, the top, the most tense one, because I'm like, okay, prior, you don't like, obviously this is a tense situation. So it's like easier said than done, but I'm like, you can just shoot him in the arm or something like that. But then after he, when he pulled the trigger and shot his own father in the head, I was like, well, you know, like obviously like maybe it wouldn't have worked out or it's easier said than done all these things. But even if he shot him in the arm, what's to say he doesn't still pull the trigger on Danvers. So well, and, that, and that's my question. Do you think that he was going to shoot Danvers? Cause he was raising his gun. Do I, you think I, he was going to shoot her? I think he was. Yeah. Cause he's, he was, you know, he, he said and until that point, that was true that he's not a killer. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. he killed Otis, but you know, yep. up until that point. Yep. Once you got Otis, man, forget it. I don't know. I don't think I'm not sure if I would have killed. Maybe that that's the the sympathetic uh portion of his character that got shown to me that that's kind of playing up right there. Uh mm -hmm. maybe too much, but I, I'm not sure if he would have killed her. I think I think he might have uh threatened her and and pointed the gun at her. Um Oh, you mean if Pryor hadn't showed up or in that moment the way it was done? The way in the moment because he is raising the gun when when Pryor shoots Hank. Yes, if so, if Pryor hadn't showed up, then he might have not shot her. Like he might have shot her to wound her. But once he saw his son, forget it. 
because he was so he was so pissed about like what he'd taken from her and now it's like yeah. you're she he's here with you he like he just threw a fit on me and now he's here with you and he's yeah. taking your side no he would like he was starting to see, he was seeing red at that point there, there's no way that in my mind he wasn't gonna once his son showed up yeah yeah that's the true. other the know. other thing for me is the um the title sequence like i know it's like a weird thing and this a thing the only rewatched thing throughout the series but i never mm-hmm. fast forwarded through billy eilish's song oh, and i love the interesting too i didn't i didn't mind that song i was i was just i could take it or leave it i didn't mind the intro um but some of the needle drop choices were were interesting i remember one episode i don't know if this was four or five but it ends with uh like an emo cover version of eagle eye cherry save tonight mm. and it's like i some of this stuff it's like it's like they're they're asking ai like give me a, an emo version of this song and it's like i felt like every song was kind of like an emo dark version of that they were there were <laughs> I, I i like the dark stuff the dark yeah songs yeah so. I, I get this some, scratch your my a little a little yeah. corny what i did love though uh, work, that's speaking sure. of hank I, I loved hank's song is just johnny cash imperson- impersonation there yeah and it fades out into the soundtrack of, of uh going out into the town i thought that was very well done yeah that was awesome that was really good, actually. Uh, we agree on the uh, prior uh, Danvers and Hank standoff. Um, I still love the the 15, 20 minutes of uh, episode one, the first of that there, where you got the caribou hunter and then seeing all the caribou run off. Um, and then the setup of, of uh, the Salal murders there. I thought that was, again, very intriguing uh, mm-hmm. start to a season. I thought that just kind of laid the table. Uh, very nicely for what could have been a good season or a more enjoyable season for me. Yeah, I think part of what, like, again, like, I, I liked episode one, don't get me wrong, but, like, the first two episodes, uh, three and four were an improvement for me because with one and two, it's like, okay, this is tied to supernatural stuff. Like, how is this, mm-hmm. how is this, like, what's it going to be? How's it going to work? And I was thinking about it way too much going in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what I will say, uh, what I liked are two emotional um, conversations. Well, I guess three emotional conversations there. Uh, one was with Navarro and Julia when uh, they're going to the Lighthouse Mental Health Facility. Uh, and he's mm-hmm. they're about to check Julia in. They're sitting on the couch. It's like the first time that I see any real uh, good emotion from Navarro uh, in, in this series for me. Uh, she's like, sorry, I let you down. They hug. They had kind of have an emotional thing. And she's very uh, stoic, I think almost to a fault in this in this show. So I thought that was a nice moment to kind of show, uh, you know, that that emotional side of her. Mm-hmm. And the other one is with uh, Danvers talking to Navarro uh, at the end of episode six, when Navarro brings up Holden, uh, her son. And she's like, don't you say his fucking name? You know, mm-hmm. and then she goes up and that you really feel it. I thought Jodie Foster does. Uh, a good job kind of playing a um, standoffish, you know, w- leader, woman leader with, again, with some kind of like masculine traits to it. Um, I thought she does a good job kind of playing that. Maybe, maybe Butch is too strong of a word, but you yeah, know, she's just kind of playing like that type of role. Um, so to get that emotional element and first to hear her even acknowledge, um, you know, that, that her, the son, the death of her son, they don't really have too much of a conversation about it. So I thought, you know, her uh, reacting to Navarro was really good. And then lastly, I, I really enjoyed uh, Pryor and Rose Agnew uh, talking at, at Rose's uh, cemetery or whatever she's got there uh, outside of her house when, when they're bare or, you know, sinking 
uh, Hank's body and Otis's body there. Yeah. And they sit down and she's like, you think the worst part's over, but it's just starting. Yeah. That's, that was, that was heavy. And then on top of that too, where she's like, you know, you, I, I want to watch, like, you want to watch me take the air out of his lungs. I was like, yeah. 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 And that it's was pretty great. And it's like, it leaves all these unanswerable questions about Rose Agnew that I'm just dying to know. Yes. Uh, Aunt Petunia has really come a long way. <laughs> Aunt Petunia. Yeah. It's, um, that's the woman that plays Opportunity in Harry Potter. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Fiona. Uh, Fiona Shaw. Yeah. Fiona Shaw. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Go okay. Ahead. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. Go ahead and give that a bang later. Um, yeah. But, uh, anyways. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I got to double check myself now because I'm like double. <laughs> what, what, what's next? Uh, what will age the best? Yeah. What do you think will age the best from this year? Uh, it's the setting. We, we both know the setting's great. Yes, the setting is great, um, and I am still double checking myself on the Harry Potter thing. And I was well, correct. Yep, Petunia Dursley. I was right. Okay. okay. Uh, but I, one re- I like the setting again. The twenty four hours of darkness, very spooky. Uh, lets you kind of in on the isolation. I think that's really uh, interesting there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also really think it's disorienting because you don't know what time it is at any point in time. So where this is essentially happening in a bottle over, you know, a seven day, maybe two week period. Well, I guess it's more than, uh, yeah, maybe it's like three weeks, right? Because they have, they can keep the bodies for two weeks and before the Anchorage uh, department comes and takes them. And then like the aftermath into uh, Christmas yeah. into new year's. Right. Right. Prior, Cause I remember seeing before the, the on-camera uh, interviews, the internal investigation interviews, that like the last date we saw was I think January 14th and okay. that was yeah. like 14 or like 14 days into the darkness, whatever it was, something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think most of that episode five and six happens New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's a good call. Yeah. Um. um so, what, yeah, so what, I, I, th- I would have loved to know what time, you know, the time mm-hmm. of everything. So like, so just so I know, like, all right, this is when they're starting out on this day. It's nine 39. Because it's so disorienting, and maybe that's effective from a you know a mystery standpoint that it kind of leaves uh, the the audience, the reader, the listener, the watcher um, disoriented when going through everything. So, uh, maybe, so you maybe mean specific works. time of day? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, honestly, every time for me, every time it's like it's nighttime, it's nighttime. But you're right, it wasn't. So I was off on that. Yeah, um, so it, it, I kept thinking about that constantly. I was like, what time is it right now? <laughs> What year is it? Yeah. Um, so for me, what'll age the best? I, I honestly think that time is going to allow this season to uh, age we're on well. The same on page. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> what time is it? No, I, I hear you. <laughs> um, no, but like it's just because like people are going to go watch watch this. Who like we're on top? Well, you were on top of it more than I was, but still, like was I was right? I watched the season finale like right after it came out. This. Like we're on top, we're aware of the news surrounding it, the different things that we've heard, the interviews that have been done, blah, blah, blah. There are going to be people, though, who go back and watch this on Max, you know, in a month, you know, who were like, oh, I didn't know there was another season of True Detective. Like, we're Mm -hmm. in it. That's the thing. But I think there will be people who don't know about it and and don't know that stuff that we know, and it may not bother them. Because quite honestly, Wes, if they hadn't told me um, in, like, the, the press leading up to season four about the spiral stuff and the ties... Like I, I honestly, it would have gone over my head. Even the moments that you're talking about that, like oh, we, yeah. that get brought up, it would have just completely would have forgotten about it. Cause I, cause I'm like, this is its own thing. I don't need to know stuff from beforehand. If I didn't, like, this is an instance where 
I, if you, the less, you know, going in, you might, you might have a higher grade, the better. I wonder if this kills the true detective series. I, that is a fair point. The, the executive producer, Nick, Nick Pizzolotto did not care for this season and made, made his uh, opinions heard. Yeah, but he's also one who know he knows everything that's going on. And, I mean, but that's also fair. I mean, like he's got to know these things. So I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you might be right. It, it, that could end up being the case. Um, but I could see this getting like a like a resurgence, like where it's just at least in like common space where you talk with people, it's like, oh no, I like season four. Like season two was the only one that was like actually not good. Because um, mm-hmm. still, like it's still we're not. It's not one of our questions, but it's still number three on your list, right? It's pretty close. I, I haven't I'll, watched. I I feel very down on this this season. I I don't remember feeling that way with uh, season two. Just kind of more like disinterest uh, rather than like up upset. Hmm. You know. But again, I, that's that's been so long since I watched it. So it, it's hmm. tough to um, you know really pull back all the feelings from. I don't know. Twelve years I, ago. I bet you that they they do one more season and they give it a go to tie everything together and like they try and find a way to do it. Tie. Oh, I hope they don't do that. I don't want them no, to. But I would, no, I would, no, no, no. I don't want them to. I just want them to come back and do its own thing. Like go take it to Europe and like do your own thing. Like just like go into oh. like you know go into mm-hmm. Scotland or something like that, or there go into go. like a small college town in New England. <laughs> one of those ideas. Come yeah. On, just make it its own thing. But How I. Would, I are there any good universities in Sleepy Hollow, New York? Oh, maybe they, they maybe. I'll tell mm. you, I that's that's an interesting call. Um, but I, <laughs> I really don't. Um, I really do think if you if they're like, yeah, hey, we're gonna come out with a season five. If I was to bet money, it'd be like we're gonna try and finish this off the right way. Oh, I hope quote they unquote don't. right way. I hope they don't. No, 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 no. Uh, please don't be right about that. Um, not to be wrong. What will age the worst from this series? Uh, we talked about a lot of the things here, but maybe, maybe we could run through them all just to be. Yeah. I mean, just to have it here in one nice concise spot, uh, tying it to season one. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this is kind of an offshoot of that, but still the spiral, like that's the big thing. Like if you just make it something else, then you're going to be fine. Um, I, and I think, uh, and I think the, the the way they leaned on the spiral, I guess, is probably a better way to put it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we could talk about this a little bit in, in performance of a best performance by a side character. But I thought having all of the, the side characters be very one dimensional uh, didn't really work uh, for yeah. me. You know, you have uh, Pryor's wife, who is just the nagging wife, can't understand anything. Although this is like seemingly only a again, five week case at most. And, and there's like a serious murder. She can't really understand that there's like, you married a cop and there's, you know, a, a octo homicide that happened. And they, they got a, in this small town with all this other shit going on. Like she's doesn't really seem very understanding in that. Um, yeah. Same thing with Leah. Leah seems very one dimensional. She, she's actually low key, the worst character in the show. I mean, she, she might be like, the the work like she causes nothing but trouble for uh her her stepmother uh dampers do we know if that's her real I think, daughter yeah no it's not a real daughter i think adoptive yeah something like adoptive, that yeah because i don't think so, so i don't think it's from a like a previous relationship either i think it's like a friend that's like another that is uh, honestly yeah. the weirdest relationship in the entire show like it, that one i kind of didn't get 
Danvers is just racist for no reason. And she's really bad racist. Oh. I mentioned this on the show. You know, kudos to Jodie Foster because, you know, you probably don't want to, you know, you don't want to be like a Leonardo DiCaprio and come off as like a really good good racist like he did in Django Unchained, right? Uh, but the uh, the downside is just everything that she said that was like, oh, you believe in all your, you know, mumbo jumbo spirit stuff or wipe that pain off your face and all that. It's, it's like nothing felt natural coming out of coming out of her. Uh, when she said that stuff. So I thought their relationship wasn't very good, but like the, Leah makes a sex tape with an underage girl. We don't really know how old she is. You know, that's mm -hmm. like right off the rip in episode one, she's committing vandalism. She's in, you know, inciting uh, fights and riots um, outside of a mine, you know, creating more trouble for, uh, for her, her stepmother or whatever, whatever Danvers is. I don't know. She, she's just not very likable by me. No, she, she, she's not, um, I don't think she's a character anybody can get really emotionally invested in, um, in most ways, just because again, like I, I get like, you know, teen angst and anything like that, but it's just, uh, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, yeah. there's, and there's not many times I can, I feel like confident saying that. Like I usually can, I feel like I can find something there, but not with I, that character. You don't really feel, um, the emotional, the emotional uncoupling of of julia and uh navarro because like julia just seems like such a such a burden on her you just yeah. only seeing her have a mental breakdown or like going crazy really i think that like now as we're talking through it now i'm starting to see like she's a teenager and she's like not able to she doesn't know her identity because she doesn't have navarro i mean uh, because she's with um with uh, Danvers, she doesn't know what her identity is and, and all the, and, and like I'm seeing a through line, but at the same time, it's taken me a lot to get there. Like th that was, I'm not saying that couldn't have worked, but it, the way they went about it, it didn't work. How about, I, I thought this was kind of weird uh, that they used Navarro's uh, clear mental illness and suicidal tendencies as a potential superpower <laughs> as her ability to make a connection to the other side of the world that, um her mother and and julia were afraid of and she embraces that so that becomes like kind of how she solves this murder and then like undoes the the trauma wouldn't have uh with danvers i was confused by some of it uh the mystical stuff but at the same Do you time think she died uh navarro yeah no uh no because she walks off into the ice. Right? Well, no, but at the very end, when they're talking about it, it said that she left. She left the force and she's, uh, Danvers is getting interviewed by uh, the Eternal Affairs guy. And she said, what happened to Danvers? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Some people come to Alaska to escape. And then she said she walked off into the ice. Yeah, that was kind of how it was set up. And then they uh, show true. her at the end of... Um, yeah, at the end of the show, I, like her uh, Danvers Lake House standing next to her, and I wasn't sure. Again, like these are kind of unreliable narrators. That's kind of another theme of this series. You know, Rose Agnew, like she, some of the stuff that she says about Travis Cole doesn't line up with what happened in season one. Maybe that's an error, or maybe that's to establish that she's an unreliable narrator. We know uh, Navarro has tendencies of seeing things, so she's an unreliable narrator of what's real and what's not. Um, so I, I wonder if that was just another instance of like, if she, she's really dead, but she's with her in spirit. 
Maybe. I mean, but this show's like built on unreliable narration. Too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Matthew yeah. McConaughey's character is, is as much also as... also kind of unreliable. And then in yeah. season three, they have um, dementia, right, and dealing with old age and stuff like that. So like, right, they can't remember everything yeah. as well. And Woody Harrelson's unreliable too because he's kind of an asshole. His character, very much so. So it's like you got all yeah. like there's so many people you can't trust, and then you can't trust the characters that they're talking about through their story because they have their own you know stuff their own emotions are thrown in there but at the same time like to go back to to the navarro stuff specifically i think that's just another example of like a thing that i didn't like from like a concept standpoint i i can see how that would make sense in the course of the story but in the manner in which it's executed it just goes into the 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 larger the broader statement that you've made a, a few times here they tried to to do too much mm-hmm. um instead of like doing like a few things really well yes yes a- absolutely uh agree with that there okay um who had oh how about uh i feel like i'm missing something but uh all right who had the best performance by a side character you might have missed something i'm not sure but um the uh, uh, uh anyways it was um the best performance by the side character so if prior prior's technically the leading man in this right leading male char- like character he kind of is yeah he's like a lead supporting actor right yeah so i don't know if i can throw him in here but like he's it would be like of the like he it would be him but mm-hmm. if of just the side like bit roles for me it's Kavik, but again, like we lose him later on. But when he's there, I really enjoy his presence. He adds a little bit of humor to an otherwise depressing uh setting, right? So yeah, yeah, I, I agree genuine with you like on that. care too. I like it. Like he, he feels like a real genuine person. And before P- uh Peter gets corrupted and pulled into uh the murder cover-up world by Namver uh Namvers, uh Danvers and Navarro, uh, he is really the only good-hearted person in this whole show. Yeah. Until that point, right? And even then, like, I think he's built up such goodwill that you uh, don't necessarily fault him for shooting his dad, even though that's a pretty horrific thing. It is a horrific thing. But like, I felt I felt bad. It's like, but like, I get it. Like, I get why he did mm-hmm. it in that moment. Like, yeah, that's a whole other thing. I loved Rose Agnew. We mentioned her a little bit, yeah. uh, but I'm just very intrigued by her. You know, you get uh, on Christmas when she talks to um, Navarro about her having this like high profile job at a university uh, and just kind of like was seemingly a high, maybe not a public figure, but a, a well-respected figure in her uh, field of work. And she just kind of leaves that all behind and she's like killing wolves and just living in the harsh edges of the country, you know, and she's so used to killing. And that, and that conversation with uh, Pryor at the end where she's explaining like every day is going to be, you know, the hardest part now mm-hmm. sounds like she's talking from experience. Mm. What, That's what's actually going a on point. There? That's actually a really she's cleaning weird. her gun on new year's. She's in this like beautiful red dress, smoking dope and sipping champagne on, on Christmas. Like she was a very, multi-faceted uh, uh faceted woman and I, i'm very intrigued by her i think that's a great point and i think that you're right she is the best side character in this like the Kavik's a great he, like does a good job yeah but at the same time rose is the most interesting one and, and they it feels like they like as you're talking about it more it's like you could have utilized her a lot more and, and like halfway through the season i'm like is she even alive is this just a figment of, of navarro's imagination because no one else really talked with her there you get the call from pete 
uh, you know, early on that that says uh, Rose found the bodies, and mm. she kind of points them out, but like she doesn't really interact with many other people. Yeah, so yeah. I'm thinking like, is this, is this bitch even real? They What's did. Going they, on here? they did some really cool shit with her. They could have done other cool shit with her too. I and I do think there is. I mean, I mentioned Pete Pryor as uh, the true detective of the series. Uh, mm. I, I think there is an interesting story about a young rookie cop um, being in Alaska that's being corrupted by uh, possibly, you know, overworked by her by Lieutenant Danvers and seeing him travel down the road of corruption and or getting pulled in by his father. I think that's like a really interesting concept there that, that, you know, obviously they didn't go in that direction, but if you wanted to make him the lead character, I think he has uh, the foundation to, to go to do that. Uh, the more we talk about it, like I thought prior was a great, good, really good character in general, but the more we talk about it, the more I see like a, an interesting angle to that, this whole thing where like he's a rookie cop and he's not in on all the like, he's not boots on the ground in terms of like being out in the field and like looking at things at the, like the case, but he's figuring everything else out behind the scenes and in different areas. Or maybe he could still, you know, go out and, and do some, some detective work in that regard. But it's just, I, I see that like, it, and it could be very interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, again, there's a lot of good elements of the show, but yeah, they, they got to pick a lane and go down it. Um, who lost the series though, Nick? <laughs> Hank Pryor. I mean, geez, that dude taking L's tough, left and right. Tough way to go. I still think there's a way that you can paint him as not so bad of a guy, you know. But it's what do it's you mean tough. exactly? Oh, well, I, I don't think he's that bad. Like, so he hits his son uh, for for stealing. Yeah, you know, that's they're grown men at that point. That's not that big of a deal, right? But it, it's uh, presumed that this is something that's gone on throughout the course of his life, right? I think it's fair that it's presumed. Um, but even then, I'm like, really? You're going to, like, hit your son? Like, I don't care if he's, like, a, an adult. At the, at the end of the day, he's... kind of weirder. Yeah, I, I guess so. But he's like, don't disobey me. You know, these are these are things that I'm doing that he essentially took all that money, you know, with the assumption uh, that he used it to help raise his son. Right? Assumedly uh, a single dad. Yeah. So I guess it was. It, that's fair that at least some of it was. Uh, the, uh, the rest of it was going to, to the chicken Russia or wherever she was from. The, the last bit of it, right? right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absol- yeah. Absolutely, that, yeah. That was rough. That was. I mean, that's that's my thing. Like he's like he's got that. I, going on. Say, he, I think look, I think an argument dealing. could be made for uh, for Hank being more sympathetic than what was um, uh, put forth. He's going through shit. Like there's no question about it. Like yeah. he's a depressed, like depressing character. Um, but like he still makes some terrible choices and that's like what it comes down to i thought i honestly thought early on like oh he's like just like that down on your luck guy but he's not like a he's not like a bad dude he just has mm-hmm. some forces of happen maybe not the brightest bulb so some poor decision making but it's like no we do find out that he's smarter like denver says mm-hmm. and it's just like he's just he's just not a good person and he's like dealing with some tough stuff because of that do you think he cut out the tongue uh and he a- tongue that's a great question. And that's one of those things that didn't get answered. That was like a good not answering, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's like, it, well, no, that was good. That, that, that was well done. Um, no, I don't think it was him. Yes. I wonder, I wonder who, who is that then? 
Yeah, that's that's the that is how they use the supernatural bit. Well, like mm -hmm. maybe there is something to that. Maybe there is something else weird going on. I think that was great. It's again, you just but and, and that would kind of make that's what that's why I felt before like the, the I forgot about the tongue thing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That is why like I don't mind that red herring in the general sense. It's the ties to season one that make it frustrating. But that's a good way to use it. What what I liked about the um, the supernatural elements is uh, how they did it in season one is that they were it was all human human actions being done at the altar of a supernatural right the yellow king Carcosa and all that stuff right that it was all like a um, uh, a sacrifice to the the king the yellow king hmm. I I'm not crazy in a detective show the supernatural kind of guiding the hand of, mm -hmm. of these kind of making it happen, leaving sure. clues yep. behind, 100%. you know, I think that kind of makes it a little wonky about 100%. what exactly is this show. But uh, again, I, I, I think it was interesting, but it just didn't fully land for me. But this is um, also, that's where it falls under the category of like this, you're, like where you're right. Like th that, if this was not true detective and just night country, then mm -hmm. some of these things that are bothering us, probably don't come up yeah yeah exactly i, I also want to give a shout out to uh to connelly uh i thought he was a fun side character he offered a little bit of uh levity and was the only one who could really talk sense to danvers like get through to her he was uh he was he was a good add to the show i thought the the dynamic too of like the other women around town who yeah. like hated him oh, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. that was that was a nice touch yeah, like the uh, geology uh, professor's wife yep. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought mm -hmm. that was funny as yeah, well. Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck, geez. Like, all these women really fucking hate her. I mean, I get yeah. it, but wow. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why that's why I liked her so much. Uh, no, I, I lost the series. Issa Lopez, the, the creator and director of it, just didn't do it for me. Didn't didn't fully land here. There's there's some interesting ideas um, that go in different directions that, that, that I, than I would have liked, but. Yeah, I'm not making a mystery. I think that's that's what's really tough about a mystery series in general is that the the first half of the uh, whatever season it is is generally going to be more generally more enjoyable than the back half because as doors close, the possibilities become less and less, right? So then you end up narrowing down on this one door that you have to go through, even if it's not the one that you you hoped it would have been uh, at the mm -hmm. beginning. Yeah, that's a fair point. That, that that is. It's just, and it's like, how much of a mystery do you let the audience in on before it's no longer a mystery? Like, it's a fine balance between it. This is true, but it, there's the, like they didn't. The balance was like it wasn't. They were off. Like it the, was unbalanced was, for me. But yeah. I'm just saying it, yeah. that it's we're, tough. We're, like, it's, I'm not saying I can do it. That's no. <laughs> oh yeah. No. 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 I mean, it's again. It's easy. Like it's easier for us because we're not. We're removed. But yeah. at the same time, it's just like, and also we're seeing it as a finished project product. Like it's, I will tell you right now, just from the one, like, like the, the Widowmaker thing, like writing it and then seeing the art come to life. I'm sorry, just seeing the pencils. And then you see the colors get added. It's like, mm -hmm. you got to make changes here and then make changes at that next stage. And then when you see it like completely done and everything, and then you start seeing the letters come in, it's like, God. And now we're talking about a show where you have to worry about how actors are portraying themselves. Like mm -hmm. comics, it's like I have two other people that like I'm worried about not counting the editors and like I'm telling them what to do outside of like writing the story. Like that's so much easier to manage than this whole fucking thing. But I hear you. I, but I still, hear you absolutely. But still, like what we're talking about, that balance, like 
it's it wasn't like that again like leading towards more like the things that this this the wasn't done well it's not like you had that checkpoint of what you're talking about where like maybe it did but again we just kept going down this wrong rabbit hole and there was nothing else to lead towards Mm -hmm. that's just Mm -hmm. confusing i'm with you i'm right there with it did did anyone win the series nick Who, who won the series season one like <laughs> I, want, I want to go back and watch it like i, I it's yeah. a, just a great season i i've i don't think i've watched it a second time i really I, I maybe i did but i really loved it and i need to go back and watch it and, and i again like i want to see if there are things that bothered me from this season that like didn't in in the first season now mm-hmm. i'm curious as, as if to why if that's the case um because there are some things that you're bringing up that I'm like, I, I wonder if it was like, like where the motivations that you're talking about with the supernatural stuff. Like I want to see some of that and how it's done there because I loved everything about season one. So mm-hmm. I'm just, I got to go back and, and watch it uh, a for enjoyment and B for comparison purposes, quite honestly. I like that. Okay. Absolutely. I, I think Rose may have been the big winner for me. <laughs> yeah. It probably. was Pete up until, you know, his corruption. Uh, you know, and him just just using standard household cleaner to get rid of like gobs of blood, like ounces of blood was really funny to me. Like mm. the <laughs> I thought uh, prior cleaning up the uh, Danvers's house was funny because like they showed him wiping down windows and like wiping off floors, but like not really cleaning off all of the blood. Mm-hmm. You know, you could tell it was like the first steps in the process of cleaning it up. Mm-hmm. But you don't see like the the actual finished pros, uh, product until Leo shows up. So like in my immediate head, I'm like, did he just leave all those streaks there and then go take a shower? Like, <laughs> so I don't know. It's fun I, stuff like that. I will say with prior to like as much as I start, I, I started. I, I had the same thing with Danvers and and, um, and um, why am I um, Navarro? Like mm-hmm. I I didn't like him a whole lot at first either. Like he was. Of like the four main characters, with Hank being like the, the fourth, he was like the one guy. I was like, oh, okay, like he's like kind of the nice guy, doesn't really mm-hmm. want to push the envelope and whatever. And then the other three went in the other direction, and then and then right. Hank went in the opposite. Um, but like, yeah, I didn't love Pry at first because at first I'm like, I hear what you're saying about like you you have a job and you got to do these things, but at the same time, she's like singling this kid out the whole time that Danvers is, and like putting clearly putting a strain on his family and it's like dude and then you apologize for the divorce later it's like no you're like you're a total jerk to this this poor kid you you know you're yeah maybe you're trying to mentor him but i don't know not everybody mentors in the same ways but at the same time that that's i I don't know who would want that kind of mentor right yeah very demanding too demanding on that right and there's seemingly other people in that department that could have done anything there right yeah exactly and i get if you don't trust everybody but like that also wasn't established either are they fucking with do they they i wonder that i wonder no they didn't but i mean that we know but i was wondering that and so was so was his wife like she was like right you mean just and how can anybody wonder like not wonder that rather it's just for for a minute there when Hank, uh, Pryor, and Danvers are investigating the crime scene in, like, episode one or two. And, like, you can see Hank and, and Danvers kind of have a, uh, a little friction in, in the way that they're talking. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were divorced and that they were – it was, like, a whole family thing working in one unit. Yep. yep. There was a point where I thought that as well. Yes. I think it was at the same exact moment. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, interesting there, but yeah, so I think it's Rose. I think she came away as the big winner for me. Yeah. Um, you know, she seemingly was like, had all the answers. Mm. 
too. I mean, much like Pete, you know, like, but everyone came to her for some sort of uh, consultation or information or anything like that. Um, so she's definitely, the big winner, she's definitely the big winner coming out of, uh, out of this podcast. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So Rose Agnew and, and her uh, nice joints, you know, we're all up a joint for Rose Agnew there. Good, good for Tips her on utilizing her in the next multiverse of madness. There, there we go. I like that. Keep that in mind there. She, she would be a, she's, and she could be a little bit of a cheat too. Cause she might have that supernatural, ability yeah. there so you can right. add a whole another element um true detective night country nick gave that a 78 i gave it a 70 that's a cmm aggregate score of 74 um Good job. so go see it and then let us know if we if you thought we were completely off base or if you agree with us i'm curious what people think uh but now it's time to get your tickets because the train is leaving the station for the discharge <laughs> Choo-choo, bitches. So you went to uh, the city that never sleeps, the bright lights of New York City. Yes. Yeah, we went as a little Valentine's uh, thing with um, one of my wife's uh, bridesmaids and her husband. We had a really mm-hmm. nice time. Um, the drive down there is obviously very long, but we had a great time getting there, mm-hmm. thankfully, because um, I had the Friday off. But, uh, yeah, went. To, so apparently my mom said I have been on the Empire – been to oh. the Empire State Building oh. before, but I don't recall. Like okay. I, I know I've been to New York with her as a kid, but like, I, but I was very rattled up there, Wes. Like I'm, I've always <laughs> did you do like, the Ferris Bueller and put your head like stand up on the railings and put your head directly up uh, to the glass? No, stop! Like that's just giving me like. like <laughs> I I will say when I'm on the 80th floor where you can like put like look out the window, I did go like right up against it there. Um, but I was like looking down, and then I was just like I was getting disoriented. Like I yeah, I had a good time. I'm glad I went up there. But it was rattling. Um, but walked in like to by ha- just happenstance after we got dinner on Friday, found ourselves at like a, a comedy show. Um, Very it's, nice. There's little hole in the wall place. Um, so that was fun. Um, and then, you know, after, you know, getting breakfast and doing some other stuff, and just smaller stuff in the city. We also on the way back went to Sleepy Hollow and we, we actually walked through the cemetery there, which was very cool. Oh, um, like, massive cemetery. Very romantic. Yeah. Yeah. But. Oh yeah, it, it, but massive, and they have all these um like like um, crypts and everything mm-hmm. there. But dude, the thing that was like so disappointing is like you know the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I know that it's a book, but at the same time, like some of the stuff that's centered around it, it's not like is not what it once was, or is not as accessible. Like the bridge that it's based off of, like it's it's nothing. Like it's like a regular uh... like it's like. You've been on Hicks Bridge before, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like not even that. Like it's just weird. It's like it's more like a road <laughs> that's like a, a wide ass bridge, and it's barely a bridge. It's just like you have it's over water, but it's just it's the just a few rocks here and there. It was just very underwhelming. They have a cool sign there, but I was just like, why isn't this preserved to be like? If it was all cobblestone, then okay, then that's cool. I don't know. It's just strange. It, it, less, not as much of a tourist attraction as you might think. Yeah, I was really, I was disappointed by that. Now there is like this, like, um, like manor that's there that like that you could see it, but like because of wintertime, we couldn't access it. So I, I get that, but at least the, the the headless horseman bridge thing, I was like, well, this isn't what I expected at all. And we could see the Dutch church too, but mm-hmm. that was different kind of than the uh, than the one you see at least in Sleepy Hollow. Um, again, you probably can't record at the actual church. Yeah, but it was just some stuff. It was it was a fun experience. I am so glad that I went there. 
Um, and I would definitely like, it was kind of like a on the fly kind of thing that I wanted mm -hmm. to do, but it was just kind of surprised by, um, by some of like the things that weren't as like, well-preserved or well. Were you disappointed by the horsemen with heads on them? They're like, well, where everyone's not supposed to have heads. What's going on here? It's very strange. I don't get that at all. Like, it's just like, almost like an F you to the legend. I think Works so. I think it's a, yeah. An F you to you actually. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Quite frankly. There, I'm there's a road right by uh, a couple streets over from me called sleepy hollow lane. And it's a dirt, oh. dirt road. It's a short little road. And where the street sign was, uh, was this big gnarled dead tree that was just dying. And it looked mm. so cool in the fall time when all the other leaves are turning and starting to fall. And this dead tree was right up next to the Sleepy Hollow sign. And they, they cut down the tree and removed the uh, street sign. So now, now nothing's oh. there. Oh, that sucks. I will say that we did actually see some pretty creepy trees in the cemetery. Like the cemetery was really cool in the daytime. I would have been scared out of my mind at nighttime okay, and I just, yeah. I'd, I'd like to go back and experience it like in october but at the same time like if it's anything like salem it's impossible to do that so mm, yeah just, i'm sure I'm, I'm sure it's maybe not as crazy as salem because they they obviously uh tailor yeah. everything to the tourists right but this is true they play they they play it up and it has a much like actually that is a great comparison where and i get salem it's it, again it's different one's historical one is based on fi fictional stuff but like salem like blows sleepy hollow out of the water not even yeah. close but they also embrace the non-fiction side of uh or, or the fictional side of salem too yep 100 percent. but i mean i'm i'm just talking about like you have like some of the old like the, the certain homes historical landmarks you have like parts of right. town that feel like they they're like like you know like new bedford like down like on union street where yep. it has like a mm -hmm. cobblestone like you have that in salem too again we didn't stay like crazy long in sleepy hollow but it's also not like this big town as far as i understand it and they mm -hmm. just yeah it was just like it, again like i'm really glad i went there there was some cool stuff but i was like it wasn't some of the stuff that i was whole, excited about i was kind of disappointed by okay all right so about two thumbs up on the new york city trip overall I like yeah that. that went great yeah i mean this was a nice thing on the cake too so i mean like in the end i'm still very happy about it i'm being critical but for the people so they know it's yeah well you're a critic you gotta be you gotta be critical um i watched oppenheimer on peacock uh finally got around to that so very excited uh about watching that but it did take me two sittings i watched the first two hours saturday night uh the last hour saturday or sunday afternoon awesome lives up to the hype very good christopher nolan is fantastic at um taking hard to understand topics or, or confusing topics and 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 uh yeah topics i guess i'm mm -hmm. uh, making them easy to follow along and, and interesting right because like like this was great but i don't really know anything about the a-bomb or atomic or you know uh what is even like the theory i don't, I don't even know what he studies robert Opp oppenheimer I, I couldn't tell you what he said. I mean, it was it like physics, quantum, like quantum physics, quantum theories. It's, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. So like that, I'll never understand it. I can barely even remember what the title is. Um, but the same can be said for inception when you're dealing about dreams within the dreams or interstellar and talking about time travel, um, obviously tenant with time travel. I, I, I think we followed that movie when it, when it played out, I think I, could kind of follow everything but i i also couldn't explain it to anyone either yeah i i don't i know you brought that up in the group chat and billy was like wes i think you're smart all right yeah. don't don't worry about I, it that wasn't but really like, my intention uh putting that yeah, out there i i don't 
like I I feel very similar to you. Like I felt like we understood it to to the extent that we needed to. Some of it's it is confusing, but like I still got what like, was going on. Yeah, he's gonna be like, locked if, in. If my if my wife asked me, hey, what would you would what happened in that movie? Give me a rundown. Like I couldn't explain it. But if no. I watched the movie, I'm like, all right, I can kind of follow along to what's going on here. Yes, it is absolutely a mind fuck. It's but like. It, it, I mean, is it is the criticism maybe that you have to pay attention to every single second of the movie? Because I get that we don't want to, like, people don't want to have to do that. But I think Tenet was probably more convoluted than any of the other movies that deal oh, yeah. with uh, difficult information. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Yes, but and this I, Oppenheimer was really good. I mean, star-studded cast. Um, uh, what's his name? Cillian Murphy is great. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Great. You're Everyone else Murphy. is great. Is it Killian? Yeah. Eh, Celtics, Celtics. You know, we, we call we call them Celtics in America. We call them Celtics in Ireland. You know, I, I I'm sorry, I can't help it because I just I, I, I know you're he's your guy. He's your guy. So damn good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I say you say we say that he's my guy. I still haven't fucking watched Oppenheimer yet. No, it's great. And I I said this in the chat too. Uh. But like I loved how they did this. Like there was a couple moments that reminded me of The Dark Knight Rises or just like superhero movies in general. But there's one point where. Uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character is, is asking uh, who voted uh, for or against him. Um, and then the, his aide is like, well, one young hotshot Democrat trying to make a name for himself out of Massachusetts voted against you. you know, like, What's his name? And he's like, John Kennedy, John F. Kennedy. And I'm like, oh, my God. This, this, everything else is so great. But that felt like such a cringe moment for me. But it was the uh, it, it was like in The Dark Knight Rises where it's like, you should go by your middle name, Robin. Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh, what are we doing yeah. here? Yeah, that's actually, that's funny. That's a good, that's an interesting call um, or comp. Um, so I'm curious, one thing I'm curious about, because obviously I'm going to experience it in a similar way to what you did. Do you regret not seeing this in theaters? Uh, yeah, I think it would have been really cool to see it. There's, uh, I mean, there's like very Damn. interesting close-up shots with, um, Killian Murphy and some of the other actors and stuff like that, that, that would make it look really cool on a big screen. Obviously the explosions and stuff is, is cool. Mm -hmm. um, but you, it doesn't make or break it. I had a good time watching it on my, um, mm -hmm. yeah, my 55 inch TV. So if you gave it like, uh, I, just, I I get what you're saying. I don't need a scoring or anything. Like yeah. That. But I mean, this is like a high, not, this is like a 95 movie, 96 movie for me. Yeah. Wow. The, the, it was, it was really enjoyable. Like the pacing moves so good that although it's a three hour movie and I watch it in two sittings, so you're not, you're not really looking at your clock. I just, I just fell asleep. It was too uh, late. Yeah. That, that'll too happen. For this old man. Uh, yeah, that'll, that'll happen to you. Well, we might have, we might run into that for our next week's episode, uh, with Madam Webb, which you are seeing in theaters and we might fall asleep. Although this might be so bad that it's good. So now, you know, we may not have back to back hate fests, uh, on the episode. Oh God. You really think so? No, I don't know. No, no, you yeah. probably will. I'll be stunned. If, I, I, I'll be stunned. Like, I mean, this is, there's not many times where I look at a trailer and I think like, it is a thing that we're going to see. And I'm like, this will absolutely suck. Yeah. Uh, this this is one of those that I, I look at that. And I mean, just the everything surrounding it too, like the the, the what's her name, uh, Dakota Johnson. Her oh yeah, I mean she's crazy. She seems batshit crazy. I just feel like she's just dull. Like she just doesn't care. Like she's just so uninterested, so uninvested. Also that, yeah. But we'll be back uh, next week at the same bat time, same bat place, and always. Uh.